0: Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Peter Joseph, and you're listening to V-Radio.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of V-Radio. Good evening to those of you listening in the uh, Eastern Time Zone. Uh, I guess it's still pretty much good evening for pretty much everyone in the United States. Uh, and uh, good morning to those of you in uh, Europe who are listening to the show. And uh, I doubt anybody from Australia is on. <laughs> but you guys will catch it on the Archive. So um if this is your first time checking out V Radio, please visit my website v-radio or v-radio.org. Uh, there you will find archives of other shows like this one. I have lots of interviews with um you know various guests, experts on um lots of different topics, uh documentary filmmakers, activists, uh sometimes politicians, congressmen, senators uh the list goes on and on. Um, I would uh, just go to the website, check out the archives there. You can you know, check out a lot of shows like this one. Um, if you want to show this show to a friend, you can give the link that you have here to them, and um, they'll be able to listen to the down, you know, basically the uh, recorded version of this show later. Uh, also at that website, you can check out my must-see TV list. Uh, there you can find lots of free documentaries that you can watch on the Internet about topics similar to this one, among others. Um, And uh, finally, if you like V-Radio, I generally ask uh, if everybody who downloads my show, I usually do somewhere between six to eight shows a month, might consider contributing a dollar or so a month uh, to my efforts. Uh, You can do that by clicking the Donate button. And for every dollar value of a donation, you're entered into a raffle. And um, if you happen to win at the end of the month, you get a free V-Radio T-shirt or an item from the V-Radio store of your choosing. So... Um, all of that nonsense out of the way, um, we're going to talk first. I'm going to introduce my guest, Dr. David Allen, PhD, an expert on the uh, subject of medical marijuana. Uh, welcome, Doctor, to the show.
0: Thank you for having me, Neil.
1: Well, um, it was actually, a, I had done a, basically kind of a call out to my listeners to say, hey, um, you know, I need show topics, I need guests. What do you want me to talk about? And so one of them, uh Devin Evans actually, uh suggested that I give you a call, uh put me in touch with you, and um I thank him for that effort, so I figured I'd give him a you know a shout out tonight on V Radio. Um and uh I guess uh, the first question I tend to ask somebody uh when I bring them on the show is what was the precipice for you to become an activist? What was the moment in your life where you went from being just like a normal guy interested in, you know, maybe the white picket fence and the 2.5 kids and, you know, curious on who was going to win on American Idol to somebody who actually wanted to change things in the world and make it a better place?
0: Um, Well, that's an interesting question. And um, the moment happened when I was uh, put in a trunk of an extradition van and uh, shipped from California to Mississippi in the trunk of the van in handcuffs and leg irons.
1: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Well, that's certainly a lot more dramatic than most of these stories. Go on, go on.
0: um, I am a uh, prisoner of the drug war, um, and I uh, understand the pathophysiology and mechanisms of action of cannabis, Mm-hmm. and i know that it's safer than any man-made drug and um uh, what they're doing is locking people in jail for using a, a medicine and um uh, and this is wrong so
1: well you know uh, my mother had cancer and glaucoma and uh she smoked marijuana for both of those reasons um And so I totally understand that there's, uh, you know, medicinal applications for it. Um, I guess (laughs) we got that started, you know. um, Now, I guess up to that point, were you just kind of a regular doctor? Or, I mean, I guess we could go ahead Uh, and get started with that. All
0: right. I'm I'm a retired cardiac surgeon. Um, I had to become a general surgeon first, so that was five years of general surgery training. And then I did three years of uh, cardiac specialty including one year of pediatric cardiovascular medicine. And uh, I've been using cannabis since I was 17 years old. And uh, contrary to the myth that cannabis makes everybody that uses it um, uh, into a couch potato, it's, it's wrong. Carl Sagan used marijuana. And a lot of very intelligent people use marijuana and are productive members of society.
1: Okay. Um, I guess so basically, you know, you, you, you went through all the, the issues of becoming a cardiac surgeon. It's actually interesting. Uh, a cardiac surgeon saved my life when I was young. I uh, was born with a uh, birth defect there was a hole in my heart about the size of a nickel. And uh, it was when I was living, it was baby, I was living in like Riverside, California, and um, a surgeon there saved my life. Um, and uh, I guess so basically, I mean, you started off, obviously, then you you were using cannabis, even when you were, you know, young, as you pointed out. So it's not like it was something you discovered later. Um, I guess then, uh, let's get into the story, you know, of, uh, how we get to the moment where you're in the trunk of a car. Um, you know, at what point did you decide maybe, for example, that might be the best way to ask, you know, at what point did you decide that, you know, you were going to begin using cannabis as a medicine in your practice?
0: Um, well, that's kind of a long story. And, and, um it, it's really hard for me to explain in a, a short period of time. Uh but what I would like to discuss is is the political ramifications of 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 cannabis and, and what's happening in the United States right now. Um Go ahead. Uh cannabis has been used to um to marginalize citizens and and these laws are uh meant to dehumanize us and make us targets for uh the abuse that uh is is poured down upon us really uh, uh since nineteen thirty seven over sixteen million years of uh prison sentences have already been served by cannabis criminals and and so that's that's an amazing number 16 million years of tax revenue would uh, change this nation completely and to think of the all the lost humanity this represents and really uh this is a war, war on drugs and um this uh there I don't really know I'm sorry. Um this war on drugs was started by Richard Richard Nixon and he declared war on on, on the people of the United States basically and he funded a, an army and he uh started the DEA. Right. And the DEA's been used as an army against the citizens of the United States. And uh they're really they're taking away our uh, our constitutional rights one by one. And um as an example, uh this last month uh a memo was sent out by Arthur Herbert, the assistant director of the BATF Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms. And in this memo he said that uh it is unlawful for users of addicted uh or any it's unlawful for any for any user Uh, of an addicted, controlled substance uh, from shipping, transporting, receiving, or possessing firearms or ammunition. And uh, so he sent out this memo, and uh, I was a little bit surprised at this because uh, the ability to to own a firearm is... uh, is guaranteed by my Second Amendment rights. So basically, some gentleman sent down a memo um, and took away my Second Amendment rights without me even going to court. And I'm kind of shocked at this, that uh, that the lawyers aren't uh, uh, protecting the citizens from this blatant... Federalism. Um, so uh, this memo had a phone number to call. It's 202-648-7190. So I called the phone number, and I asked the lady. I said, uh, "Well, this memo says that you can't own if, if you smoke marijuana. You can't own a gun. Is that right?" She says, "Yes, that's right." And I said, "Well, does that mean if you smoke marijuana, you need to turn your guns in?" And she said, "Yes, that's right." And I said, well, it also says that uh, you can't transport guns either. So do you need to call the police to come to your house to get the guns? And she says, says, yes, that's right. And I said, well, you know, it also says that uh, if you're a gun dealer and you suspect somebody is using marijuana or has a card, that if you have reasonable cause to believe that the person is an unlawful user of controlled substance, then you have to refuse selling them a gun. So I said, well, what if what if uh, you know somebody owns a gun and you think they might be smoking marijuana? What should you do? She says, well, you should report it to the local police and have them investigate it. So, and and really, this this removal of the gun rights is just the first step. What's going to happen is if they identify you as an unlawful user of any controlled substance, uh, then they can do- deny you other rights, uh, social services rights, uh, social security, uh, welfare support, other, other rights like that. So um, this is just the beginning of uh, really the loss of all of our constitutional rights. So uh, I was uh, shocked at that.
1: No, uh, unfortunately, I mean, uh, and on this show, I talk about that kind of stuff all the time. Um, There's a lot of different things people don't know. Uh, The average person, for example, has never read the Patriot Act, and I can't really blame them. I mean, it is difficult to read the Patriot Act, but I I did it when I ran for Congress. Um, Just the stuff in there that's in plain English is scary enough, and it's kind of amazing people gonna take their, rate, their rights for granted. Uh, they just assume, oh well, nobody could change that. You know, nothing bad could happen there. So, you know, they just kind of assume that everything will always be there for them and that they don't have to pay attention. They can just, you know, elect politicians that they know next to nothing about. Um, and you know, if there's any doubt on how much the average voter, you know, thinks about the average politician that they're voting for, you can check out of my archives my favorite V Radio episode ever uh, the, on the subject of sheeple. You can find that one in the archives. Um, But basically, people generally have no idea, uh, you know, this kind of stuff. And, you know, when I when I was running for Congress, I tried to talk to them about the Patriot Act. And in many cases, they're like, well, you're some kind of crazy conspiracy theorist. And I said, "Okay, well, here's the URL for the White House website. And here's the section of the Patriot Act um, that I want you to look up. You know, so the guy went on his, you know, his BlackBerry and he looked it up. And then his eyes got really wide when uh, the stuff that I was talking about in the Patriot Act was actually there. You know, and on the White House website, you know, it's not some conspiracy blog. It's right there that the president, for example, can just declare you an enemy combatant, take all of your stuff, you know, no trial, no jury. You know, that's all just there on the website, you know, and I guess it's you know a mild deviation from the topic at hand. But it has to do with the fact that the average citizen doesn't know, doesn't want to know, um, you know, as long as they, they have their what was it the guy from Network said, you know, the their steel-belted radials, and their
0: toaster ovens. (laughs) Please
1: just leave me alone in my living room.
0: What I I want people to understand about this is that the accusation of a crime uh, may be good enough to get you in trouble because uh, this not only includes uh, marijuana, but it also includes other pills. So, for instance, if you had a couple of Lortab, that you were legally prescribed, and they weren't in a bottle with your name on them, they could you could be accused of uh, of having an illegally controlled substance and and serve jail time for h- having a gun. Sure. So, so this gun possession thing is is uh, people will go to jail for this uh, just for owning a gun. So basically you're at risk if you own a gun in the United States.
1: Now, is this a state law or a federal law?
0: This is a federal this is uh, this is a Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms. Oh um, yeah.
1: Those are some great people. Just having people in Waco, Texas all about the ATF. Um you know, it's funny that you bring that up. Uh there the the, the second amendment in particular is one that kind of gets um you know, different things like you're talking about kind of gets slid under the radar. Uh for example, um restraining orders uh, if somebody gets a restraining order on you then they can uh, immediately confiscate all of your firearms uh, if you get caught um owning firearms while under a restraining order then they can immediately you know take you to prison um and uh the funny thing about that is is that there it's it's you can get a restraining order ex parte meaning you're not even there to protect yourself right uh you know you, there's no burden of proof you know, the example that they give in the article I usually show people, which if anybody's interested, it's called Restraining Orders Are Out of Control. You can Google that and uh, there's a law professor who wrote an article um about how most people don't know this, but David Letterman had a restraining order against him um from some lady he had never met who got it in her head that uh you know, that she that he was communicating to her through secret signals and in his TV show, and he, this, this lady actually got granted a restraining order that he's not allowed to think about her, you know. <laughs> and of course, he got it overturned. Mm-hmm. But that that proves to you how easily somebody can take away your Second Amendment rights.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, no
1: burden of proof; you don't have to be there to defend yourself, and you, and your you know your right to carry and you know right to bear and you know arms is gone. Um, and it's amazing how you know they just kind of slide these little provisions in there, and you know you don't people don't really pay attention. This kind of stuff. Uh- Go ahead.
0: Another thing that's along the same vein is uh, uh, people were smuggling a lot of drugs out of Amsterdam and in body cavities. And so what happened was uh, it got to be a problem, and uh, there was no way they could actually search. Mm -hmm. So what the United States government actually put those fast CAT scanners in the airports at Amsterdam, U.S. government paid for that and they started scanning people for uh, objects in their body cavities. Um, and what happened was they used the excuse of the underwear bomber to uh, to morph this into a, a perceived danger. And what's what's happened is hundreds of these machines have been put in all over the United States at the cost of millions of dollars. And not one uh American airline has ever gone down from a uh, underwear bomber or somebody with a bomb in their body cavity and so when when you go through these machines, basically you're giving up your rights to um uh, uh search uh reasonable search and um and and the next step is, if they're putting them in, in airports, where are they going to put them next? And the logical conclusion is, well, start putting them at, uh, you know, major football games and maybe interstate commerce, and who knows, next time you go to Walmart, you might have to submit to a body cavity search. I don't know. <laughs> no,
1: cr- no, it is crazy, and it's, it's it's amazing, once again, you know, it's, people aren't going to notice this and then they're going to say to themselves, well hey, you know I'm not doing anything wrong, you know. So therefore it doesn't bother me. You know, they don't understand that these kinds of uh provisions can eventually be turned on any form of insurrection, including insurrection that's legitimate. You know, you could have every reason to be upset at your government and they'll find out. You know, they're already paying attention very close attention to activists throwing us on terrorist watch lists and other nonsense like that. Now Um, You you sent me some links to various uh, research papers on the topics, you know, just various benefits of, uh, you know, cannabis, you know, used for different things. Now, a lot of these are like, you know, obviously like medical journal quality, so they're kind of hard to uh, translate. I was hoping maybe you could give me, you know, some assistance, but uh, cannabinoids as antioxidants and neuroprotectants.
0: Yes, that's a, a real important article that people need to understand. And what it is is, the United States government took out a patent on October seventh, two thousand three, for um, cannabinoids. And, and there's like sixty to seventy different cannabinoids in cannabis as uh, antioxidants and neuroprotectants. And uh, it, it's a little bit difficult reading, but if you look at the at the paper. It shows that what happened was they, they took rats and they ligated, they tied off the middle cerebral artery to the rat brain. And when they did that, it caused a, a, the rat to have a stroke. And then they held, they held it shut for 15 minutes and then opened it and then allowed the fresh oxygenated blood to go, go into the area of infarct, uh, uh, of the stroke. And what happens is is when you have new blood go into a stroke area, the oxygen disassociates it to form what's called oxygen-free radicals, and, and they're very toxic, and they attack cell membranes and DNA and proteins. And uh, in these rats, if they were treated with either THC or cannabidiol, what happened was the stroke size was decreased by 50%. Now, this is a near miracle, and, and I understand it's only in lab animals. It's only in rats. But uh, they determined that, this, uh, that the cannabinoids decrease the uh, stroke size by a couple of different mechanisms. One was uh, it, cannabis uh, decreases uh, glutamate production. So whenever you have a stroke, what happens is the neurons, the, the nerve cells, release the neurotransmitter called glutamate and that causes cell damage in that area. And then also uh, when the blood reperfuses, they have the oxygen free radicals and by two different mechanisms cannabis stops production production of oxygen free radicals and once they're formed then it also scavenges them. So by these three different mechanisms, um, stroke size was decreased dramatically. And so, really, no other drug decreases stroke size by even two or three percent. so this is a near miracle that that cannabis does this. There's also articles that show that the same thing happens in heart attacks and uh, there's a study um, by the British Journal of Pharmacology that shows that uh that cardiac arrhythmias or, or um, bad bad rhythms that the heart goes into after a heart attack are decreased, and the infarct size is decreased if you give cannabinoids um, to a patient having a heart attack. And this has great uh, importance for heart surgeons because when you put a, a patient on a bypass machine and clamp his aorta, uh, you make the heart uh, go ischemic, you make it use less oxygen for a time period while you do the operation. And when you open the the cross clamp up and allow the heart to be reperfused with blood, you get what's called a reperfusion injury. And so in the future, heart surgeons will be giving cannabinoid products to their patients before they go on bypass pump uh, to limit um reperfusion injuries. It's a common thing actually.
1: Wow. You know, I guess uh so I guess the question then would be, you know, when we say
0: cannabinoids, are we talking
1: about kind of like the essence of the plant that's been extracted and, you know, and maybe refined in some way?
0: Well, um can see they, they refer to the cannabis plant as a raw plant, and it is. It's it's got a bunch of different chemicals. And United States medicine is is honed itself into, we like to give pure products. So when we give aspirin, it's 100% pure. It doesn't have any, any other compounds in it. And so when we do studies on aspirin, we can say, well, if we give aspirin, this is what happens. Well, when you give marijuana, there's a bunch of different chemicals. And so the question is, what chemical did what? And so it's a little bit harder to study cannabis. Um, But cannabis is is comprised of at least 60 to 70 different cannabinoids. And cannabinoids are all uh, chemically related to the mother compound, THC, tetrahydrocannabinol. And so you have cannabidiol and cannabidrol, and there's a bunch of different ones. And then you also have um, phenols and terpenes in a cannabis plant. And these uh, impart usually the smell to cannabis, but they also have medicinal effects in themselves. So cannabis has, a, a, it's a really complex plant, and it doesn't have just one mechanism of action, and it makes it harder to study because it, it works from a, a number of different ways.
1: Okay, now let's. Uh, I guess because we have more to go on here, let's go to. Um, <laughs> wow, it's a mouthful. Acute administration of cannabidiol in vivo suppresses. I am not going to be able to pronounce this ischemia-induced cardiac arrhythmias, and reduces infarct size when given at reperfusion.
0: Yeah, that's that's the study I was talking about. So whenever you give uh, cannabidiol. Uh, to a patient that's having a heart attack, it's gonna it's gonna lower the amount of uh, arrhythmias, um, PVCs, and ventricular tachycardias, and it decreases the size of the heart attack, the infarct size, uh, by and it's by fifty percent as well. So, um, and, and really the question is this: cannabidiol. Is extremely safe at large constant, large doses in humans. So you can give humans large doses, and it has no effect to it has no negative effects to, on the liver, heart, kidneys, whatever. And cannabidiol doesn't give you the euphoria that THC tetrahydrocannabinol does. So cannabidiol doesn't get you high, doesn't give you an euphor- euphoria, and it's really safe but it's still schedule one and which means it has no medicinal activity and not safe under physician guidance. So really the government knows that these medicines have medicinal effect, that they have a patent on cannabinoids. The fact that the patent office accepted the patent means whatever's in the patent is considered the truth. So, uh, the government knows that this medicine has great medicinal potential, yet there's no clinical studies on, on humans. Um, and so, with this information that, that it's really safe, and it doesn't get you high, and it has great potential to work, that that should allow uh, clinical studies. So if your mother or father goes into the hospital with a stroke and they don't get cannabidiol, it's because of political pressure and not because of scientific uh, information.
1: Uh, Somebody was pointing out actually in the chat room while we were talking, um, and we were talking about gun laws, he says his father can't own pistols or body armor because he's a convicted felon for marijuana I presume possession or something like that, but you know, it's interesting that, you know, it is it it's relates to being a victimless crime. You know, I'm sorry for the, the the brief deviation from the science we were just talking about, and we're going to go right back to it. Right. Um, you know, but it's it I would take a moment to point out that um while I don't use it myself, I've always found it absurd that it's legal to imbibe alcohol. You know, it's that that's fine, you know, even though alcohol uh leads to violence uh in many cases. It leads to, uh, you know, abuse of children, abuse of, you know, spouses, you know, gets people killed when they're driving with it. You know, when I when I lived at home, I grew up in a really bad neighborhood. And uh, depending on whether or not my stepfather came home and reached for marijuana or reached for alcohol, determined what my night was going to be like, because if he reached for alcohol, it meant I was going to spend a lot of time in my room, you know, hoping my mom didn't get killed because he was a violent drunk. You know, if he reached for marijuana, I you know, he just mellowed out, sat on the couch, ate some potato chips and watched TV. You know, so it's it's odd to me, you know, that, that that's the case. And a lot of people have talked about that. And they, they generally say things like, um, you know, well, uh, they don't want people using marijuana because it would be too easy for people to grow their own, you know, uh, painkillers and all the other various functions of marijuana. What do you think about that?
0: Well, that's exactly right. The reason cannabis is illegal is because uh, of a couple of reasons. One is because uh, the the laws making marijuana illegal is basically a welfare support system for the uh, correctional institution, and, um, uh, and and you know cannabis can. Can uh, cannabis can be used for multiple different medical problems? Uh, for anti-inflammatory, it helps for uh, it helps your immune system. It helps uh, arthritis. It helps uh, intestinal troubles. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit um, about cannabinoid receptors, uh, so people could understand that. Um, go ahead the, every cell in your body uh had, is made up of a, a a lipid uh component a fat component and proteins and the proteins uh go completely across the cell wall and and act as receptors um and what they do is uh when when compounds bind onto the receptor. It causes a physiologic reaction inside the cell. So, for instance, insulin binds on to insulin receptors like a lock and key mechanism and causes insulin-type reactions, causes glucose to go into the cell. Um, Estrogen binds on to estrogen receptors. Testosterone binds on to testosterone receptors. Opiates bind on to opiate receptors. And cannabinoids bind on to cannabinoid receptors. And these receptors are in every cell of the body, except for there's almost no, none of them in the brainstem. And the significance of that is, when when you die from from an opiate overdose, basically what happens is the opiates, if you have a too high of a dose, they overstimulate the opioid receptors in your brainstem, and it it causes lower uh, ox- lower respiratory rate and lower heart rate, and basically the patient dies from as- asphyxiation, low blood oxygen. They die from a heart attack and stroke. But since there's no cannabinoid receptors in the brainstem, then you can't overstimulate it with cannabis, and therefore cannabis is is safer than any man-made drug because of this of this quality. So it's, it's safer than table salt. It's safer than Tums. It's safer than water. Uh, one of the Supreme Court justices, Francis Young, said that uh, cannabis is safer than many of our food stuff. that eating eight raw potatoes was enough to kill a person, but there's no possible way you can eat enough cannabis to kill yourself.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, well, I've heard something along you know, that line. You know, basically, there's no way you could ever do that, but I mean, you could eat, you can drink yourself to death and and that and what leads you to that conclusion is obviously uh you know using a legal substance um it's a you know once again it it just it seems you know well i guess when you look at it that way you know once again we're talking about what uh senator mike gravel a friend of mine he coined the term prison industrial complex and i believe you mentioned that uh there are a lot of you know the people making a lot of money on keeping a uh, you know nonviolent uh non-victim crime you know criminals like those who have been in possession of marijuana um in jail you know they make money doing that and i guess
0: exactly
1: I, right i kind of came to a thought about that i was like well maybe the reason they like alcohol is because alcohol causes crime you know uh, maybe that's why they want that legal you know because it does you know it's yeah. you know they're going to have people who get into fights you know they're going to end up in the system for that and uh you know it's just it, it once again you know you know I'm glad that you're bringing this kind of information out there and i I hope that you know my listeners mind you a lot of my listeners are already into this stuff, which is why I knew they would like this show um you know, but I hope that you know also people who weren't aware of some of this stuff will you know open their minds to this um now uh let me go on on to okay, sex differences in the effects of marijuana on simulated driving performance.
0: Yeah, I'd like to talk about that. Uh, that's a NIH uh, study. Um, it was done in 2010 in March. And uh, if you read the study uh, carefully, uh, it doesn't have anything to do with what their conclusions fi- are. Uh, basically, the study uh, showed that there was almost no difference uh, if you were using cannabis uh, in driving skills. And actually... Um, if you look at uh, table 2 in that article uh, it shows that uh, that reaction times are actually improved with cannabis use by 1.1 seconds uh, so uh, men that use cannabis improve their, their reaction time 1.1 seconds their uh, rate of safe avoidance if you didn't smoke, it was 4%, and if you did smoke, it was 12.5%. So almost three times safer than if you didn't smoke, uh, according to this table. And, um, and safe avoidance uh, on car uh went from 12.5% if you didn't smoke to 18.2% if you did. So really this NIH study they it's a government study so they they wouldn't be looked on well if they came out with well cannabis helps you drive better. <laughs> they couldn't say yeah. that. So their study their results were this study enhances the current literature by identifying distracted driving and the integration of prior experience as partially problematic under the influence of marijuana, so it's it's basically their conclusion is gibberish and and really, it should show that uh that at least cannabis is does not make your reaction time slower
1: so basically it's one of those situations where it's it's quite probable that people stumbled across this information and because they also did not want to end up in the trunk of a car. Uh, you know, or fired or any number of other things, that this kind of information doesn't really get repeated. You know, we don't want anybody talking about that kind of a benefit, you know. Um, And I I see where you're coming from with that. You know, the idea that, you know, it it enhances reaction times and things like that, that has a lot of other positive benefits. You know, it could help people who are, you know, perhaps trying to defend themselves. Uh, It could help police officers. You know, it could help, uh, you know, anybody who's going to go into a violent situation even.
0: I, I don't know if that correlation holds true, but, but at least, you know, the problem is the public is used to pe- the alcohol. They understand alcohol. It's legal. They know what Uncle Joe does when he gets drunk. Right. They know he can't drive a car, and there's lots of studies that, that prove that Uncle Joe can't drive a car when he's drunk. And so they think that high, which is really a, a misterm, it's really euphoria that you get with cannabis, Causes the same kind of stumbling, drunk kind of reaction, and it doesn't. And uh, so, and this is part of the demonization of uh, of cannabis. I have another article that uh, I didn't send you, and uh, it's another NIH story, uh, NIH study, and the the article's uh, entitled "A Population Based Case Control Study." of marijuana use and head and neck squamous cell carcinomas. And this study proves that people that have moderate use of of marijuana have significantly reduced risk of head and neck squamous cell carcinomas. Uh, So this is an NIH study showing people that smoke cannabis, even if they drank alcohol and tobacco, even that subgroup their chances of having cancer was lower if they used cannabis especially if they used a moderate or uh, amount of it so and there's studies that show that uh, lung cancers are helped gastric cancers thyroid cancers uh uh brain tumors breast cancer so there's a there's a whole lot of evidence that that cannabis helps uh cancers by a bunch of different mechanisms uh by the way it stops cancer uh cells from dividing it stops them from spreading um metastasizing it um cells also have a a, a normal cell has a um a life expectancy, and, and at the end of the life expectancy, it dies. Cancer cells have been able to avoid that, uh, and they kind of live on forever. And uh, and cannabis causes causes a mechanism called apoptosis, which is the what happens is that the cancer cells revert back to normal cells and have a normal life lifespan. They don't live beyond a certain, a certain time span. And so, so marijuana has multiple mechanisms to help people.
1: Now, um, I guess, uh, you know, absorbing all of that, especially the different applications for cancer, I actually Uh, worked with a libertarian activist for a while named Steve Cubby, and apparently he had some kind of brain tumor that uh, he was smoking marijuana to keep under control in some fashion, and the doctors were never able to explain it. Um, You know, he refused all other um, treatments that were offered to him. Um, For whatever reason, it's working for him. Uh, I I guess uh, my question would be now – Are there ever circumstances? I mean, because like any other substance, you know, there's going to be circumstances when maybe it it wouldn't be right for a certain person. Because like I've seen, for example, it affects different people in different ways. Like most people I know, um, you know, they they tend to get mellow. You know, obviously they get an appetite. Um, But I also have met some people, you know, very much more rare, mind you, but, you know, who don't react so well. Like they might get, you know, uh, a little bit on the crazy side, even my ex-wife was one of them. Um, You know, I guess it's kind of a matter of just like anything else, you know, you want to, like you said, you know, do it within a reasonable moderation. But at the same time, you know, if you're you're getting, you know, side effects that, you know, just due to your your specific body chemistry, you know, that maybe you should consider doing something different. I mean, what do you feel about that?
0: Well, uh, there's a couple of different types of cannabis, uh, sativas and indicas. The sativas will make you a little bit more um, jittery um they make you they're 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 good for people that write music or write um you know writers poets um but they will make you overthink a little bit and will give you a little paranoia Um, right it's usually lasts just a few minutes and goes away um but so if you're going to have trouble with a cannabis it will be sativa now when when uh, before they had all these uh, pot shops in California, all the pot that came in here was from Mexico, and it was all sativa. So a lot of people that smoked uh, pot off of the illegal market um, were exposed to sativas, and some of them had you know, some sativa-like reactions that can be unpleasant.
1: Right. So basically, that's something that, you know, it it can be unpleasant, and I guess, you know, especially with something that one of the people in the audience uh, in the chat room just pointed out was that, you know, maybe people with certain mental problems might not want to use this, you know, just things along that line. I mean, even then, we you know, this doesn't mean that it, 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 you know, in any way debunks the value of this substance when you consider, you know, some of the ridiculous side effects that you see for drugs that are being advertised right now, you know. Um, there's always, you know, it could be this, 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 you know, and they're always nasty things like organ failure, you know, or, and some sexual side effects. That's the one that I, I notice they, they tack on the end of like so many different drugs that, you know, you see the commercials for, you know, buy out of this drug might be right for you. Hope that it doesn't cause organ failure, you know, uh, or any number of other different, you know, extreme side effects, you know, and, um, I, I guess, uh, once again, it, you know, we. As you pointed out, the sativa issue. There's there's different strands of the stuff, you know. And if you don't trust the person you're getting it from, I guess that's another benefit of course to legalizing it is that you're not going to have people lacing it with something else, hoping to get you addicted to some other substance or you know any number of other things. I mean, do you have any recommendations to people to to use this substance safely?
0: Well, the best way to use it safely is to go to a, a... Cannabis store in in California. That way, a lot of these cannabis stores are are testing their uh, products for pesticides, for moles, and for other contamination products. And some of them will even give you profiles of how much THC and how much cannabidiol. Um, Cannabidiol seems to be a very important medicine in modulating the effects of THC. And so, we're seeing a lot of different strains that have. Uh, more cannabidiol than previous strains had. And actually growers are are trying to grow strains uh, that have a a better cannabidiol profile. Uh, I wanted to talk one last thing about uh, the research uh, uh, in America on cannabis. Please do. There seems to be a moratorium on on research on uh, cannabis. And uh, the United States government Basically, has stopped all research on cannabis they, they allow some studies to be done if if the study is is to show negative effects of cannabis and they allow it to be done. But if there's any studies that show for medicinal effects, they deny those studies and so really, I think it 's time for the United, for the United States public to demand a, a rationale from the government of why they are deliberately uh, limiting uh, scientific study on cannabis Uh, because people that don't like cannabis should want that study because if the study shows bad things, then we want to know those things. And the people that like cannabis want those things studied because there is worldwide proof outside of the United States that cannabis has multiple medical applications. And the truth is, the United States is falling behind the rest of the world in cannabinoid research because of this insane policy. So we need to call for unlimited, legitimate scientific research.
1: Well, I mean, if it's research, what could it hurt? That's uh, that's a question that, you know, I mean that actually kind of segues into something else about this is that, you know, the the fact that several States have voted, um, you know, in their own referendums to legalize various ways of using marijuana. Um, I voted in favor of medical marijuana in Michigan, obviously, particularly after watching my mother die of cancer um, and remembering that nothing that they did for her health, you know, nothing really helped her at all except for mm-hmm. the marijuana that she used. I mean, she didn't even die of the cancer, she died of the kidney failure, you know, from the other crap they were doing to quote unquote right. try to make her better. <laughs> you know, so um but you know, we were gonna talk also about, you know, I know that uh the federal government obviously just kind of is like, Well, you know what, I don't care if you made it legal in your state. You know, we're still gonna sit in the ATF or the FBI, you know, it's federal crime, we're gonna prosecute you. You know, um and I guess then the you know, talk a little bit about you know, what you've heard in regards to this, you know, and how it, you know, beyond also just, you know, if you know anything about anything outside of California as well, it would be great, although you know, I do remember not long ago uh, being on someone else's show where we were talking about uh, th- this incident a while ago where cops were raiding a uh, oh god, what was it? It was a organic food store, you know. Yeah. They come in with their, their guns drawn, you know, like like they're expecting somebody to be guarding the the Whole Foods store with, you know, an AK-47 or something, you know, and they had them on camera just walking around, panning around in tactical stance with their nine millimeters, like any minute now some hippie's going to throw a tomato at them that they grew in a hydroponic farm, you know, just
0: crazy well, it, stuff. The same the same thing happened at the Gibson factory. Uh, Gibson guitar factory makes gu- uh, guitars, and apparently they were making guitars with fancy woods that were prohibited and the feds went into the Gibson factory and shut them down. So I mean that's not related to cannabis but but that shows you that that uh the legal system is kind of is kind of messed up. And that's why Occupy Wall Street exists. The
1: mm-hmm. reason
0: why Occupy Wall Street exists is because the American dream of owning a home and having Uh, something that you can give your heirs is uh, a fallacy, it's a farce, it's a facade, it's a lie that's unobtainable for the majority of Americans because you can work 40 years, 50 years, work all day, every day, and at the end of it, the... uh, medical complex will take away your house because of your mounting medical bills or the uh, the bank system will take away your house or some government police agency will seize your property. Um, you know, there's laws in some states, Mississippi is, is one of these, where the uh, district attorney gets 20% and the drug task force gets 80% of all the money from seized properties. So what this means is, the people they prosecute, they profit from. And this profit uh, ability causes good men to do bad things. And it'll cause good men to lie so they can get more money. And it should be against the law for a district attorney office to directly po- profit from drug seizures, um, and I would like to see that end too. Um, it's time for for marijuana to be legalized and and used medicinally. For, um, and and it's time for these for for these lies to stop. It's time for them to stop incarcerating our citizens and causing. All this grief, I can tell you personally, I suffered directly under the hands of these people that uh, use marijuana as an excuse for profit, for personal profit. And they don't care who they hurt. And I tell you, I spent 14 months in a Mississippi prison, and uh, it was horrible there i can't even tell you how bad it was
1: for basically participating in the the sales and distribution of a substance that you were prescribing to patients to to help them you know basically have a you know better quality of life uh you didn't hurt anybody you know, no. none of your patients hurt anybody no and so you needed to be incarcerated for all of this time you know over what is one of the most obvious victimless crimes there is yeah. you know and the thing is is that you know i'm not even somebody who uses marijuana and i recognize that this is a problem i recognize this is downright stupid mm. you know and it's 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 funny too because you know i have friends who do use it um obviously i have a lot of listeners who use it too and i can't let them have it at my house not because i have a problem with it but because you know i have children i don't want to lose my children because somebody else wants to get high
0: that's um, exactly right.
1: You know, and it's unfortunate. Like, I have roommates, you know, because I rent rooms to boarders, you know, to help make ends meet in the terrible Michigan economy. Um, you know, and I can't let them have that substance in the house because I, you know, I have children. I don't yeah. lose my, well, no. let's,
0: let's talk about the children for just a second. Go ahead. You, you know, they use a lot. You see all the time on TV the DEA bus where they go into houses with full military garb and they throw in concussion grenades in houses that have children in it. Right. So just think what would happen if you were a child and they came into your house and threw a concussion grenade in there and they took your dad and mom away from you and put you in a foster home because your dad smoked pot before you went to sleep at night. Now think of the tragedy of 16 million years of people being in prison all the children that affected and that affect them for the rest of their life they will never get over it and here's another thing that's real super important the lies that the government tells about marijuana are being exposed by the internet so everybody knows that the government is lying and this facade causes great uh, harm to the, uh, the American society because we don't trust the government, and so this not only affects issues about marijuana, but we don't trust the government on any other level and so these lies about marijuana are costing the government tremendous amounts,
1: yeah, you know, and that's it, it, the funny thing is it costing the government but costing the government, but that money is then in turn put into the hands of corporations. Um, you know who benefit, who sell one product and you know or another involved with the whole thing. You know they may not privatize prisons, but prisons buy materials, you know, from private companies. And then more and more prisons are being privatized all the time. Uh, all sorts of elements of the the war on drugs. Uh, Michael Rupert. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but you know he actually uh, kind of blew the whistle on the CIA selling drugs in order to uh, fund different things that it was doing around the world that were not taken by Congress?
0: Yeah, I'm familiar with that. Um, The CIA, under the watch of uh, George Bush, George Bush was the head of the CIA, uh, they were involved in the Iran-Contra thing, and what happened was the CIA was funding I believe the Sandinistas uh, to fight against the Contras. And they were providing a lot of arms and ammunition, and they were getting a lot of it from Iran. And what happened was the government, the uh, Congress, shut the funding down to the, uh, the, the war, but the CIA wanted to continue the war. So what they did was they started selling cocaine. And they had a guy named De- Danilo Blandone who brought cocaine up to Los Angeles, and he sold it to a guy named Freeway Ricky Ross. And Freeway Ricky Ross's claim to fame was he uh, learned how to take powder cocaine and turn it into crack. And so cocaine was a a white man's drug. It was $100 a gram, and and black people didn't use it. But after changing it to, to crack cocaine, you could sell $10 things. And so he would sell $10 to somebody, and they'd get hooked on it, and then they'd buy more and more. And then they had all these crack houses and stuff. So, so the CIA actually brought, under George Bush, so George Bush is responsible for the CIA bringing in cocaine to Los Angeles, getting the black population of, of Los Angeles hooked on it, and then arresting them.
1: Now, actually, it's interesting you bring this up because uh, I was on the fence about um, drug legalization for a long time, um, early on in my activism career. This was a long time ago. Uh, there's a film called uh, the, uh, America's Last Great White Hope, The War on Drugs. Um, I might be getting the name there a little wrong, but that that's the film that changed my mind about it, particularly demonstrating what... Countries that are so much easier on this is like decriminalization, you know, and how much better their circumstances is as far as you know the drugs that were used in countries like Amsterdam, Switzerland, you know, some of these other countries wow. that you know don't that don't, don't treat it that way. And what you end up finding is that um, the dangerous drugs just don't get used in those circumstances. You know, you, you go to Amsterdam and you ask for crack and they're going to look at you like somebody who wants to smoke paint thinner. You know, oh. it's like, well, that guy's going to weed himself out pretty fast. You know, th- nobody's going to storm in, you know, his house about it. You know, it's
0: that there's almost no amphetamine in Amsterdam.
1: Right, because amphetamines are stupid. You know, why don't you just go ahead and, you know, drink some glue or something, well, pal? You know, well,
0: you know the, the, if the U.S. drug companies would understand that, uh, mm-hmm. they use Adderall and and amphetamine analogs on our children for ADHD. And yep. they say, well, it makes children better. So I, I know in the future that children with ADHD will be given cannabinoids that don't get them high And it'll have great medicinal effect and and calm them down and make them eat, too.
1: Now, two things that actually I wanted to bring up that that were kind of relevant to things that we said earlier. Um, First of all, as you said, the the word high, you know, that has a lot of connotations to it. Because, you know, somebody high on marijuana is not the same as someone high on PCP, not even close, you know. Or alcohol. Um, Well, yeah, or, or, or drunk. You're right. You know, it's and but it's all one term. Are you high? Well, I need more information. What do you mean? (laughs) Uh, You know, am I going to be, you know, I mean, that's the other thing I liked about that documentary. It definitely showed both sides of the argument. You know, there was a fella who, you know, these cops were responding to a call that there was a guy who was babbling incoherently and shoving ice cubes up his anus. I'm not making this up. I know that sounds silly. Um, I don't even remember what he was on, but that guy was definitely on something that should not Uh be consumed by human beings. Um, you know, and, you know, they actually show the guy, they go there and and then the guy was just gone, like just lost, like, I'm sure if he ever saw a video of what happened to him, if the guy survived, you know, but, you know, but on the same token, it also showed all different kinds of people in his life, you know, like his father who had died from lung cancer from smoking tobacco, you know, um, things like that, that, that were legal, you know, that, that destroyed people in his life. Uh, you know, and I actually also want to mention a little bit about the children. You know, it's funny that you brought that up because it brought up a really early memory of mine. I grew up in some of the worst neighborhoods of Pontiac, Michigan, which is basically Detroit's little brother. Um, it's just as bad. It's just a little smaller, you know, less industry. Um, and uh, it's a horrible place to live. I'm glad I, I clawed my way out of there. But. You know, I do remember at one point the, the kind of culture shock because I made friends with people who lived in the, the richer neighborhoods. And, you know, at one point we all lived at my mom's house for a while. And, um, when I was young growing up, you know, uh, and, uh, at one point my neighbor had decided that he was going to start selling crack. He had a five-year-old girl that they kind of adopted, um, living there. And, uh, So, you know, one day, you know, we hear the screeching of the tires, we go to the window, and then the SWAT team rolls in, and, you know, they throw the flashbang grenade in the door, and I see it light up the entire house. This little girl who I know, you know, is like literally like five years old, starts screaming, you know, you hear the cops, you know, throwing people around the house, and, you know, don't get me wrong, a little girl certainly should not be in a crack house, that's a different animal, but I know exactly what you mean. You know, in regards to the the you know the different ways that this impacts children, impacts families. You know, and I also remember that to me, watching this was nothing unusual. I'd seen houses raided on multiple occasions. But to my friends who lived in, you know, white bread suburbia, they were glued to the window as if they were watching an action film
0: because they had
1: never seen anything like that before. You know, and that's where I got my exposure to, you know, this is what someone looks like when they're high on crack. You know, mm-hmm. don't turn your back on them. They might want your money, <laughs> you know, um, it, things like that. This is somebody, oh, yeah, that guy's definitely on heroin. That dude over there, he's on LSD. Yeah, mm-hmm. And it's definitely, it's a relative term. It, it's like saying, well, I imbibed liquid. Okay, what does that mean? Because it could mean so many things. And I, I think they just kind of, uh, you know, leave the distinction for the word high open because it kind of plays into that whole attitude of, you know, like when Nixon added cannabis to the the same list as drugs like heroin and and cocaine and all that, where obviously it doesn't belong, you know but they they need that to be an open ended distinction because yeah. the real threat of marijuana is that people might be able to plant their own medicine,
0: yeah actually uh cocaine is scheduled too it's not considered as dangerous as marijuana of course, <laughs> of course, sorry now there was one last thing I wanted to mention Neil. There's a lot of question of who should go get marijuana evaluations, and uh, there's a lot of people questioning, you know, all these 18-year-old kids going to these stores. And and this is a legitimate question, but you have to understand, first off, that these people are using marijuana before they come to the doctor, most, most all of them and most of them have been using it for years and so they're using it illegally and they they're trying to be compliant with the law they're trying to you know not get arrested and use it legally so they come here and they say well geez, doc i need it because i i really don't sleep well and it helps me sleep or it helps me eat or, or you know i don't like motrin uh, it causes me a upset stomach or it caused uh, having some liver failure i want to try something different and cannabis works better for me than the sleeping pills or the anti-anxiety pills. And so really, why should a doctor deny a person like that unless he's got some other contraindication to using it? Uh, They're trying to be compliant. They're trying to, to go along with the law, and it's legal in California to use this medicine, and they have a right to do so. So, and, and people aren't questioning all these people that go to Walmart pharmacy, and you know why are they getting the birth control pills? Why are they getting the sinus medications? Why are they getting the pain pills? No one questions those people, but they question people about about cannabis, especially the age. And the truth is, how old you have to be to have cancer? How old do you have to be to have ADHD or insomnia or some other medical condition? So uh, these people are are judging when they shouldn't be judging. And I, I would like to refer you to the, to the Bible. In uh, Genesis, the first page of the Bible, Genesis 129, it says, And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb, on the face of all the earth, and for you it shall be for meat. And in 1.30 it says, I've given you every green herb, for you it shall uh, shall be for meat. And then in Romans 14.2 uh, it says, And some can eat all things, others who are weak eat herbs. And uh, Romans 14.3 it says, and let those that eat herbs not despise those that don't. And let those that don't eat herbs judge those that do. And that's in the Bible.
1: Well, you know, um, looking at that, I, it's interesting that many of these people, particularly, you know, the ones that use religion as a means by which to say that people shouldn't be doing this, you know, they, they don't really look at into that. But, you know, the Bible is another... <laughs> Uh, I don't want to. I'm going to go on an atheist rant, but the Bible's full of all kinds of stuff that you yeah. know that is just as contradictory as the government's laws,
0: you right. know, or rather,
1: well, Christianity is in, in its practice. I guess we really the uh, way to put it.
0: I mentioned that because I wrote an article called "Cannabis God's Medicine" um, by David D. Allen, MD. It's in Treating Yourself, Issue 23, and I wrote that from prison. And I would encourage you all to uh, take a look at that article.
1: All right. Well, um, now we've uh, covered a lot of ground over the course of this conversation. Uh, do you have a blog or anywhere that um, people can check out your work or keep tabs on what's going well, on with you?
0: Um, you can call my office, 510-421-6179, and I'd be glad to talk to anybody who wants to talk to me. Um, uh, I'm a, a cannabinoid research scientist, and I believe in this medicine. And I know it's eventually going to be made legal. Uh, I just hope to minimize the suffering until that time happens.
1: All right. Well, you know, thanks again for being on tonight, doctor. Um, and uh, once again, uh, I appreciate the work that you're doing. Uh, I wish that my mother could have, you know, gone to somebody like you when she was dying of cancer, but the medical marijuana did not become legal in Michigan until sadly after she had died. Um, uh, She basically, I mean, we lived in Pontiac most of that time and she continued to live there. So it wasn't that hard for her to find marijuana. Um, But overall um, I I would say that um, it's interesting that people should definitely educate themselves about this. You know, uh, look closer at some of these, you know, uh, articles that you're talking about. And I guess that was one of the other things that I was saying, as you said, you know, talk to somebody who knows what they're doing uh, before you get involved in this. Like anything else, you know, um, especially on the streets is not the best way to be, you know, looking for something you're going to imbibe into yourself. You know, uh, talk to somebody who actually has your health as one of their motives and not just their profit. And that goes for people selling stuff outside the law as much as inside the law. You know, I've listened, overheard crack dealers try to explain to people, oh, it's just a conspiracy. Crack, Crack's not bad for you, man. And I just would just start laughing, especially because some people actually believed that. You know, yeah. so talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about, you know, um, before you get involved in this. And then, uh, that's why I was glad to kind of bring you on to give an example of somebody who does. So thanks well, again for being on.
0: All right, well, thank you. There's no question cannabis can be abused, but uh, there's no reason to send people to jail for for uh, a crime that doesn't involve anybody else.
1: For sure, for sure. Well, thanks again, Doctor. I'm going to go ahead and let you go, and I uh, appreciate you coming on V-Radio tonight. And uh, if anything else comes up, you know, any news or whatever that's relevant to this issue, don't hesitate to contact me, and I'll be happy to have you on again.
0: All right, thank you, Neil. I appreciate it. All right. All right.
1: So, um, yeah, feel free to, yeah, because I'm gonna continue talking to my guests, and I'll talk to you later.
0: (laughs) All right. Thank you much.
1: Yep. So, thanks again, folks, for tuning in tonight to V Radio. Um, you know, once again, if you haven't already, uh, please check out my website, v-radio.org, v-minus-radio.org. Uh, there you can find my archives of more shows like this one. If you got in and you tuned in late to the show. You can also go to the same link after the show is over. The recording will eventually upload, and then you'll be able to listen to the show from the beginning. Um, Same thing is true if you want to share the show with somebody else or any of my other shows. And again, folks, um, basically because of the state of the economy in Michigan, being an Internet radio activist is essentially one of the only ways that I can uh, do anything constructive, and that's why I do accept donations for the work that I'm doing. Um, A lot of time goes into these, uh, these shows, uh, you know, getting the guests, scheduling the shows, writing the blogs, researching all of this stuff. So at this point, you know, that's why I said to people, you know, we are the alternative media, we can only succeed in what it is that we are doing. If you support us, you're not going to have, you know, you're not going to hear guests like the one I just had on on any, you know, on any mainstream broadcast, unless they're making fun of them for the most part, you know, and so that's where this comes from. So Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in tonight. Thank you all for supporting V-Radio. Consider, you know, getting in on the raffle for a free V-Radio T-shirt or other item from the V-Radio store. And um, I will leave you with some parting words from Jock Frasco and Roxanne Meadows.
0: This is Roxanne Meadows. And this is Jock Frasco.
1: And you're listening to V-Radio.